Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. So this morning, we have had an incredible time of worship, an incredible time of praying with each other, an incredible time of being in God's presence. Agree? Now here's the deal. Now you get to hear me. I hope my prayer, and I I actually put on Facebook this morning, um, ask for prayer, because I got to tell you, I'm really nervous about this message. My wife heard it, not, let me rephrase that. My wife heard a message like it a couple months ago and said, you got to hear this message. It was a podcast to a group of junior hires, and I heard it, and instantly I went, I have to preach something like it on the 27th. I knew it. Now, the challenge is to take a message that I heard. This was my thought. Take a message that I heard for junior hires and make it for us. It really wasn't a challenge at all because when I sat down Monday morning to start my message, I was done by the afternoon. And it's using the same scripture, but that's about all. Because God, I believe, brought me a message. And I also have to tell you, it's something that has always affected me in my own life and something I've always noticed up until to this day. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But first, what I want you to do is we're going to start out with All Church Participation Sunday. Aaron, what do I have to do? You have to do nothing except stand up. Can you do that for me? No, 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 you guys are worse than junior hires. Wait a minute. There are going to be words come on the screen. I'm going to read them. If anybody has ever said anything that comes upon the screen or that you hear me say about you, I want you to stand. Go ahead and flip it. Tall, short, blonde, small, loud, quiet, shy, outgoing, introvert, extrovert, smart, jock, athlete, artsy, tech geek. How come everybody's standing? Go ahead and have a seat. I think you just realized something. Labeling is what we do. Now, you can take labeling and you can make it a compliment. You can make it derogatory. You can make it whatever you want. Some labels are good. Some are not. Some make you feel good. Some make you act like they make you feel good. But inside, you're being torn apart. Either way, we label everybody. And before I go on, I want to say that this whole message What I believe God is asking me to share with you all depends on you and what you want to do. We know that the world labels. We know that we label. We know that we do that to other people. What I want to talk about today is what our response should be. Does that make sense? We'll go forward. We know that we're always labeled. We know that it comes upon us that people are going to say, whether they intend it or not, good and bad things. For me, start with myself. The first time to my recollection that I was labeled was in first grade. Now, again, I'm going to share with you my story, but I want you to understand, I don't believe anybody was trying to be mean throughout this whole deal. But here's what happened. My mom informed me later, which made way more sense to me, that when I entered first grade, she called Mrs. Brown. Now, my mom had every good intention. There was nothing she was trying to do to do anything bad to me, to make anything tough on me. She thought she was doing what would help me 
and help her and my teacher. So she called Mrs. Brown, I found out later, which I told her I didn't like. But she called Mrs. Brown, and she informed her that her son, me, tended to be a little hyper. I'm glad I've grown out of that. Tended to have problems paying attention. I'm glad I grew out of that. Tended to get himself into trouble even when he didn't intend to. He was really a good kid. But if things ever happen and you need to call me, feel free to call me at any time. Mrs. Brown thought that meant every day. And apparently Mrs. Brown took it different than my mom intended because what happened was, I kid you not, every time something went wrong, it was my fault. To the point, and I won't give details, but to the point that I remember we had a bathroom break. All of us boys went to the bathroom. Something happened, which I will not tell you, in the bathroom. We came back. A teacher had happened to walk into the bathroom at the time. I remember this like it was yesterday. Goes into the classroom and looks at Mrs. Brown and goes up to her and whispers what happened. Aaron! I said, whoa! I did nothing. And the teacher put his hands up and said, calm down, it wasn't him. She assumed, labeled me the troublemaker without even really giving me a chance. That followed me. Why? Because teachers talk. It got better, but then all of a sudden, they all realized that I could play sports, that I was an athlete. They also realized that I wasn't, when it came to schoolwork, and i not saying I was dumb by any stretch of the imagination. You know my college story. Schoolwork wasn't easy for me. It was tough on me. Now, that's very hard when all of your friends, who are also athletes, are in TAG. Who remembers TAG? I don't even know what it stands for. All I know is is this, smart people went to tag, people who weren't smart didn't. I could play sports though. I had a lot of friends. It was great. I didn't get picked on, I didn't get made fun of. It was my own insecurities of listening to people label me as not smart, also jock, also troublemaker. Kidding or not, that's what I was hearing, that's what I was being labeled. And guess what? It caused me not to work very hard in school. It caused me not to um, put away the full, put forth the entire effort. Why? Because why would I when I'm not going to get the good grades anyways? My grades are good enough to play sports, and that's what I can do. But then junior high hit. Here was the problem. You're going to see, don't put it up yet. I promised the students that they would see a picture of me from my seventh grade junior high basketball team today. Now, let me set it up for you. When you are in grade school and everybody is relatively the same size and then you hit junior high and you still weigh 90 pounds, you still can't see without your glasses, which, by the way, back in 1986, glasses were not what they are today. When you have lenses that stick outside of your frames because they don't make frames big enough to hold them. Um, 90-pound glasses-wearing feet the size they are now, because apparently when God made me, he made my feet go and my body not move. And then you get on the basketball court and you're tripping over your feet because you're wearing clown shoes that don't work. All of a sudden now, again, people never made fun of me. People, But now all of a sudden, you're comparing yourself to your friends who are growing taller. And remember, you're an athlete who can't very well get all the class stuff done, just good enough to play sports. Some people call it a dumb jock. You know, you're a troublemaker. But I do have one question for you. 
Go ahead and put it up on the screen. Somebody tell me how that got that. Because I don't know. Now you know why I was told over and over again, Aaron, the first person you date seriously, you're going to marry. And I did. I'm waiting to answer. How did that get that? No one can explain it. Luck. That's exactly right. That's where it comes down. But look at that. My braces were bigger than my nose, which is hard to figure out. I was one physical specimen of muscle. Now you see where my labels came from again. I had all the friends I needed. They did not make fun of me at all. I swear on that. However, every time they went into pre-algebra and I went into basic math, every time they went into AP English and I went into English, I was reminded inside of me that I was the troublemaker who couldn't get the schoolwork done. I was the one who was most likely, and, and believe me, if I wasn't in youth ministry, I'd be doing it now. So I am definitely not saying anything negative about it. But I will say, when we lived in a day and age, and I believe we're still some people who are in it now, when you live in the day and age that if you don't go to college, you are a failure, which I think is the biggest bunch of bull in the world. I'm sorry. I went to college for no other reason, and that's what you did. I was a business major, and God finally changed it to ministry. That's how I got to where I am today. But let's be honest. I was most likely to take over the roofing business, which I did for two years and was quite successful at it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But how do you go from that, someone who can't make to this? You start believing the truth. Now, moving on. Here's the bottom line. We're all labeled. We all wind up getting labeled at one point or another. We all wind up falling into the trap of being the 90-pound, five-foot-nothing, big glass-wearing, ugly hair when you have hair, and big shoe-wearing seventh-grade boy that gets on the basketball court and all of a sudden can't move without tripping. It happens to all of us. May not be my labels. Maybe your label. Labels differ. Some labels that I look at and I go, really, that bothers you? And the person can look back at me with tears in their eyes and say, yeah, it did. Labels affect us. Labels form us. Labels make us start to believe something that isn't true. And the scary part is, labels lock us into something. When we start listening to the labels that come, that we're given, when we start listening to the labels that people choose to put on us, they lock us into something. I believe good labels can lock you into something. I wasn't going to share this, but I will. Because it does affect me, and I think it's a great example of a good label that can affect people. Aaron, you are a goof-off. That is why you're doing exactly what you should be. I know that for the last 19 years of my life, people have been trying to say a nice thing when they say that. Do you know what the flip side of that comment is? Aaron, you're never going to grow up. You're always going to be a little kid. You are not like me. Keep being a youth pastor. Instead of, Aaron, there are students who are going to hell daily, and we need people who can connect with them, who they like, who can show them who Christ is. See the difference? We label people constantly. And the fact of the matter is, everybody locks in to at least one of those labels. And the fact is, when we do that, we're locking God out of what he really wants, of what he sees, of what he labels you as. There are three people who have the right to label you. 
The first one is, and here's my question, who does have the right to label anything? Number one, the manufacturer, the person who made it, whatever it is, the person who made it can label it. Number two, the owner. I have no right to walk into your house and name anything that's inside your house. I have no right to come in and name your bedroom, the den, your family room, the living room. Uh, For instance, I walked into my friend's house in high school one time. I'll never forget it. We're actually going to spend time with them in a couple weeks. I walked in the house and I went to take, first time, I went to take one step into a room and he goes, don't go in there. Why? That's the living room. My mom will kill us if we go in there. So where can we go? Let's go this way to the family room. Oh, okay. In my house growing up, it was the opposite. The other room was the living room and this one was the family room. They had labeled it. It was done. They had the right. I didn't. Last, the purchaser. If you buy something, you have every right, you, you, you have every right in the world to change the name of it, to label it something different. You can then change it, but you can't if you have not purchased it. So with all that being said, can someone answer this question? Who has the right to label you? Remember, we're all labeled. We listened to them. If you didn't, you wouldn't have stood up when I had those up on the screen. Somebody had told you. If you hadn't listened, you wouldn't remember. Granted, those were labels that probably don't affect us, but who has the right to label you? Because every one of us have been labeled. And someone said, Jesus, I heard that, but I want to do this again. There's only three people who can label you. The manufacturer, the person who made you. Call me crazy, but that's God. Second is the owner. Whoever owns you, last, is the purchaser. Now, if we're owned, are we owned by God? Well, yeah, because we accepted Christ into our heart. Therefore, okay, he owns us. Last is a purchaser. Last I checked, Jesus um, paid for our sins. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus paid that debt. He paid for you. Therefore, he purchased you and he can label you. God and Jesus are the only two people who have any right in this world to label you. That's it. Period. Anybody else? Running a huge risk of not being true. Running a huge risk of hearing only one label. And that's the, whichever one Satan wants you to hear at the time. Running a huge risk of telling somebody something that's going to lock them in. I'm going to tell you again. People all around you are going to be labeling you. People all around you are going to be telling you what they think you need to be doing. They're going to be giving you different ideas. They're going to be giving you your strengths, your weaknesses. They're going to be telling you what they think you ought to be doing with your life. And for the record, I don't think age matters in this. I think every stage of our life, things change. People change. And people want to tell you what's going on and what would be better for you. I don't know about you, but I want the truth. I want to hear what the best label is for me. And I want you to hear what the true label is for you. I want to know what the creator, the owner, and the purchaser of me says. What he calls me. What he labeled me. What he opened the door to. Romans 8, 12 and 12, 2 is what I'm going to be looking at today. One verse for the whole time. The remainder of the time we have. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I'm going to stop right there. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The very appearance of this world seems to be great. It seems to be incredible. It seems to be awesome. It seems to be rich. It seems to be fun. It seems to be full of joy. It seems to be an ending. It seems that, that if I do this, my life will be great. The fact of the matter is, the world's going to end, and it's going to end very soon. The fact of the matter is, everything that seems unchanging is going to change. It's not going to stay the way it is. You are not the same person you were yesterday. I am not the same person that you saw, regardless of how I act sometimes when I was in junior high. I'm different. You're different. You're different today than you were yesterday. You're different today than you were 15 years ago, five years ago. You're not the same. So why are we still believing what we've been told? Why are we still questioning sometimes, is this really me? Is this really what I've done? Is this really how it's going to come down? We question it because Satan doesn't want to give up. And he uses the world, doesn't believe in God to poke at you and to make you think and to make you wonder. And you know what? I'm going to say it this way. Christians, churches, we fail. We fail a lot because a lot of times we're not quite so sure what God wants for our friends either. But we sure are ready to give an opinion. And sometimes when people walk through the door, we sure are ready to give an opinion. What are they doing here? Are we sure they're okay? I saw them last night. I'm not quite sure what's going on. We question motives. Not to them. Maybe just behind their back. We label people. That's exactly what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to question each other and give our own opinion that is not coming from God. Because there's two things I think happen. And I'm going to share a story about one in a second. Two things that think happen. Number one, I'll say it this way. Doug Steele, I'm going to pick on you for a minute because I just saw your face. Doug comes to me and he says, or you. And he says, Aaron, this is what I feel like God's telling me. What do you think? And without praying, without thinking, without considering, I give him my opinion. Well, man, I think that's great. And then I go home and I pray about, ooh, or I never pray about it. We love to give our opinion. But how many times do we stop when Doug comes and asks me what I think and say, give me some time to pray about it because I want to make sure I'm giving you what God says. Well, this has to be true because you feel like you're called into ministry. Let's do it. Yeah, but that is so open-ended. What's he really want? Sometimes we label and we don't even mean to. Sometimes we accept labels, and we don't even mean to. Troy Mishler, right this very minute, he's probably finishing up now, is down in Vallejo, California at the Church of the Nazarene. He's got anywhere from 30 to 50 people sitting in front of him. And he today he is in his first day as senior pastor. Troy, now, um, in two, I think he graduated college in 2003. He went to be a youth pastor or a pastor, um, senior pastor, and when he got there, he became the youth pastor at one of the churches just outside of Nampa. He was there. Some of you may know his grandpa, Wally Miller. But Troy went, and Troy and I grew up in the same church. Troy has called me for years. But he went, and he graduated college. And when he graduated college, everybody thought he was going to be go be a senior pastor, or he was going to go to NTS, or he was going to do it. He was on the right path. He did good. In the summers, 
He was working at a construction firm, a road construction firm, big one outside of Portland, Oregon. And Troy said, I'm supposed to go back and work at the construction firm. Man, this boy had been labeled. It was done. He was going to be a senior pastor. He was going to carry on the Miller tradition. He was going to do great. His uncle is a DS down in California now himself. Troy was done. It was a done deal. He was good. He could speak. He could pastor. Go. I'm supposed to go. You know how many church people went, is he right? Is this what he's supposed to do? I think he's missing it. I myself thought what happened. Why did he leave the ministry? He calls me two months ago. Now, Troy and I have talked on and off over the last 10 years, but he calls me two months ago. He said, Aaron, I need to talk. What's up? He said, it's time. I said, what? He said, last December, I was sitting in church when a missionary was speaking, and they were talking about, I don't remember the country, overseas somewhere. Troy said, it hit me. It's time. They got in the car to go eat after church, and he looked at Jen, and he said, what would you say if... I said, we were supposed to, I'll go, she said. God's been speaking to me too. It's time. Well, guess what? Now, he has a church who sees him doing all the ministering in that church who doesn't want to leave him but can see, yeah, see, we were right. Now it's time to go. But now he's got a construction firm that he has been working himself up in, a big one, road construction firm, that now he has the the ability to become one of the yuppity-yups in it. And he says, I got to go. And his boss and everybody who worked with him said, you're missing it, dude. This is your job. You were made for this. Here's my question to you. What time did he miss it? Because he was told he was supposed to be a pastor. Then he was told he was supposed to be a road construction worker. Now he's told to be a pastor. Which one's right? I think he was the only one that got it right all three times. Because Troy chose at that point, which I know Troy, and I know he struggled with stuff like this his own self, but Troy, those three times, fought through the advice of the world, and he focused his eyes on God. And you can see where he's at. Now, he does listen also to a world constantly who says, you're in a small church, dude. You ain't going to be able to pay your family. And he said to me on the phone, I'm where God wants me. Why? Because he listened to what his heavenly father was telling him. And he moved forward in it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How in the world can you be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Here's the problem, or here's the deal. The believer's mind needs to be, and I want to make sure I get this right, renewed, which means to be made new, readjusted, changed, turned around, regenerated. Not only are we to be transformed, but in order to do that, we need to be, we need to quit listening to the world and start focusing on God. I sat there and saying, I lift my hands to believe again. I love that song. Why? Because when I lift my hands to believe again, I'm saying, give me what you got. In a few moments, I'm going to ask the people who are holding signs to come on over. And I know I'm going over time. Is that okay? Good. If you're holding a sign, come on down here, and we will go ahead and do that in just a second. But what I want you to understand, what I need you to get, is we're not just listening to the world when we choose not to hear what God has for us. In fact, 
when we take our focus off God, off Christ, and we put it on something else, 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this age, which is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We sometimes gain advice from people who don't even know and cannot see who our God that we worship is. And we start to believe it. These guys are going to walk up here and they're going to show you something. One side of the sign that you'll see first is going to show you what they have been labeled. I have talked to each one of them. They've called me. They've told me. One of them said, well, I haven't been labeled. Oh, yeah, I have. Another one said, I haven't been labeled. And then they called me yesterday and said, I got it. And we went through it. Now, here's the deal. You might look at this label and go, really? That's a bad one? There's one of them that I look at and go, but it has affected them. And then they turn the sign over and I put both hands in the air. Watch as they come across. Critically, critical, judgmental, goody-goody, brat, ugly, compassionate, passionate. Dan and I talked about this a little bit ago. Some people find him critical and judgmental. Fact of the matter is, all he's wanting is them to get the best out of him he can. He's looking at it from his point of view and he's helping people out and they say, you're judging me. You're being critical of me. No, it's his compassionate and his passionate coming out. That is the truth of God. Goody, goody. Follower of Christ. Goody, goody. When you're told that, that ain't a compliment. But when you hear follower of Christ being whispered in your ear from the truth giver, changes everything. Brat, God loves me. God loves me. Brenda, you're a brat. God loves me. That's the truth. Ugly, fearfully and wonderfully made. I didn't give these guys their uh, labels. They already had them, just like you do. Thanks, guys. We are labeled and labeled and labeled, and the whole time, God is telling us the truth. God is telling us what the fact of the matter is. But listen to the rest of this key verse, and I'll go fast because I want to show you a video before we're done. Listen to the rest of this verse. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Sweet, I'll be able to get God's will. I love that. His good, pleasing, and what's that next word? Say it together. Perfect? I can do something perfect? Yeah, I can get his perfect will. Aaron, that's impossible. Really? Because it seems to me the manufacturer, the owner, and the purchaser knows exactly what the plan is for me and exactly what he wants me to do. He created me for a purpose. And if anybody can make me do the perfect will, which is his, not mine, his, it's him. You really want his perfect will? You really want to do what he really wants? You really want your, for lack of a better term, quote, destiny to be fulfilled? Transform your mind. Quit conforming to the pattern, what everybody else says you're supposed to be. Transform your mind and do what he wants you to do, and it will be perfect. You won't be a perfect person. You'll screw up. You'll sin. The goal is to try not to. The goal is to do his perfect will. Yeah, you're going to have to apologize. Yeah, you're going to have to ask for forgiveness. But guess what? Doing his perfect will, you are now fulfilling his will, not yours, not anybody's around you, not what anybody else says, his. 
Do not let anybody label, let anything or anyone label you except God. He's the only one that has the right to. He's the only one that knows every label you've gotten, how it has affected you, whether you've laughed it off, whether you've let it go, whether it's been buried deep in your core. He's the only one that knows every label you have gotten. And he's the only one that has the true label. Isn't that amazing? He's got it. You really want the perfect will? Do not conform. Be transformed. Let everything that is not of him go. Easier said than done? Agreed. But all I know is when I'm here on Sunday morning or if I'm in my car and I start singing, I lift my hands to believe again, I see a man that's hanging on a cross dying for me. And all of my problems don't seem nearly as bad because he paid the price for me. I'm going to close out my message with the video in just a second. I want you to watch it. I want you to listen to the words. I want you to ask yourself, am I really a beautiful thing that was made out of dust? Am I really, really what God says I am? Does he really have a perfect will for me? If you would like, the altars are open. Come on down. But ask yourself, am I really as beautiful as he says I am?